the Clixie podcast with Tim Flagg. Insight, opinion and advice from the leading practitioners in digital marketing and e-commerce. We basically view Frazy as being the email punks and what we believe in is anarchy in the email world. So we've been following status quo for far too long. This is the Clixie podcast. I'm going to be talking to our special guest, Parry Marm, about which trends he thinks are going to be big in 2016. And in particular, we're going to be diving into how marketers can use machine learning to enhance the performance of their email campaigns. But before we get going, a quick word about the report. As a marketing practitioner, I know how difficult it is to make sure you are up to date on the latest trends in digital marketing. If you want to read one comprehensive and in-depth report filled with insights from expert practitioners, then check out the ClickZ Intelligence Digital Trends 2016 report. Bringing together the expertise of 40 leading practitioners and industry commentators, the ClickZ Intelligence Digital Trends 2016 report is the comprehensive guide to the digital marketing and e-commerce trends that you need to know about for the year ahead. If there's one report you read this month, make sure it is the ClickZ Intelligence Digital Trends report. Visit clickc.com forward slash digital trends 2016 UK report to download the full report for free. That's clickc.com forward slash digital trends 2016 UK report. So I'm really pleased to be joined this afternoon by Parry Marm. And Parry is the CEO of Frazy, the AI powered subject line optimization company. Previously, he ran the strategy and commercial departments for an email service provider. And prior to that, he headed up a global marketing team for a FTSE 250 media company. Um, but without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Parry. And um, Parry, could you just tell us a little bit about you? What's your marketing story? Hi, Tim. Thanks. And hello, uh, podcast world. Uh, really pleased to be joining you guys today. Um, me, I'm a pretty simple dude. I just fundamentally believe that doing stuff well is better than doing stuff not well. Um, and I've kind of carried that throughout my my entire career. So I started off uh, many moons ago on the mean streets of the suburbs of Vancouver uh, in Canada. And since then, I've moved all around the world, a um, number of different major cities. And what I've done is uh, over the years, I've studied computer science, marketing, and statistics. And I'm sort of one of those weird guys who sits at the confluence of those three areas. So most recently, uh, I'm now the CEO of Frazy, which is, uh, which is a really cool software which helps uh, generate and optimize language to be used in online marketing campaigns. The reason why I launched that is having worked both technology side and client side uh, for marketing organizations, I had a feeling that there was some sort of a limitation in how people could optimize language. And now we've got the science and tech to actually prove it. So your company was really born out of an experience that you had firsthand, a frustration that you found um, as a marketer. And you, how did you set about actually setting the company up? Was it just yourself or do you have um, others help you with it as well? No, it was me and two co-founders and the, and the company itself, it started as a conversation at a fantastic uh, Brewdog pub in Camden Town over uh, two or three pale ales, maybe a few more than two or three. Uh, it was founded by myself and Dr. Neil Yager, a chap who I studied computer science with uh, in Canada about 20 years ago, uh, not to date myself and make myself super old. I'm still technically a uh, Generation X, but only by about two months. Uh, and then a third partner, Victoria Pepiad, whose uh, experience involves uh, running her own branding and creative agency for the last 10 years. So we've really got a really strong sort of a diverse skill set because uh, I basically know that I'm good at some stuff, some stuff I'm not good at. Uh, so I surround
surround myself with people who can uh, help uh, plug those gaps. And what would you say is your area of strength, your area of expertise? Well, uh, aside from being devilishly handsome, obviously, I, I think one thing which I'm uh, quite good at is uh, looking at trends which exist in the market and finding out ways to provide uh, solutions to those and ultimately monetize them. Sounds good. And um, yeah, I think we'll maybe have to publish a picture of you just so everyone can appreciate how devilishly handsome you, you really are. Okay, so um, are there any particular projects you're working on at the moment that you think are particularly exciting and relevant you maybe want to share with our audience to give them a feeling for the sort of work you're doing? Absolutely. So one of the really cool things we're doing with Frazy is we use um, a, a, a new school of technology called natural language generation. What this is, is we use all sorts of uh, uh, different algorithms and machine learning and things like that to generate human sounding language. Now, this is a school of thought which has been used uh, academically for you know a few years now, but the commercial applications have been limited. What we've done is we've uh, taken this model and applied it to the world of email subject lines currently. Other things we're working on is extrapolating this model uh, far beyond both email subject lines into other language areas online and into uh, other non-English languages as well. So uh, if you're a computational linguist, then you should uh, drop us a line after you finish listening to this podcast. Great. I have a feeling this podcast is going to be uh, ranking very highly for computational linguists, but that's definitely a good thing. Okay, well, thanks very much for giving us a bit of background on you. And I'd like to get a little bit of a feeling for um, how you got into the, the marketing space um, as well, because we, you talked a little bit about your technology background, but um, what attracted you to marketing uh, and what maybe what are the changes that you've seen in marketing over your career? Sure. Well, to be honest, the main reason I got into marketing in the first place is when I uh, went back to do my second degree at uni, I was looking around at all the various clubs and the marketing club uh, looked like they were more fun than the accountants club. Um, <laughs> and then just by a sheer accident, I started doing marketing, and it turns out that I had a bit of a knack for it. Um, but I think, you know, marketing in general, it's it's ultimately the study of communication and and convincing people to follow a certain course of action. It's bordering between existentialism and megalomania, and maybe my sort of split personalities really uh, uh, caught on to that real well. Um, as far as the biggest changes I've seen, uh, if I'm perfectly frank, the biggest changes I've seen is that things don't actually change that much. Um, like there's always a new trend or a new app or a new, I don't know, social network or something and everybody jumps on the bandwagon and uh, MBAs make two by two matrices going, this is the new, you know, the new way of marketing, the world has changed, blah, blah, blah. And in my experience, nothing has really changed. Consumers haven't fundamentally changed. Um, the way that people purchase things, the way that you know, the way that people communicate to each other hasn't fundamentally changed. What has changed is the channels upon which we we do that. So while a lot of people focus on um, you know like jumping onto the latest Peach or the latest Snapchat or the latest this, the latest that, what they should do instead is jump onto understanding what makes their their audience tick. And this is actually part and parcel to why we we founded Frazy. Because we fundamentally believe that uh, one should focus on what makes your your audience tick, and not just you know like being a better spammer or something. No, I think that's really true, and it, um, a lot of people have now heard the phrase digital marketing, and they they've heard actually that um, digital marketing sometimes offers a silver bullet or a panacea, but fundamentally the, the principles of marketing haven't really changed. Now, what would you say to people who are interested maybe in get, finding out more about your sector, um, sort of email and some of the areas you've mentioned so far? Well, uh, I'm gonna go against the, the grain and say that you shouldn't specialize on one individual channel, um, because as digital marketing goes, 
Uh, one thing is popular for a bit and then it wasn't. I mean, if you were somebody who, I don't know, specialized in making MySpace pages, then you're probably on the dole right now. Um, so so what I'd say is that, you know, the, the key is, is to be a, a well-rounded, versatile marketer who can adapt the core tenets of marketing and react to consumer changes uh, across any channel. And so I think being flexible, being nimble, being agile are the three key skills that a modern marketer needs to have. Now, looking back a little bit on 2015, what were you really excited about this time last year for the trends in 2015? And what do you think have those trends actually come to pass or not? Well, the trends that I think happened in 2015 are different from the trends that, that I was excited about. Uh, the trend that I was excited about is something that I started seeing in about 2013. And this was the whole concept of what's referred to as CRM retargeting. So this is where you take your email list and then ingest it into third-party platforms like Facebook's custom audiences or Twitter-tailored audiences and monetize your email list and third-party channels. Um, I was speaking about this in about 2013. It's sort of starting to reach a tipping point now, which is cool. So that didn't really excite me because it's not new. Um, the one that uh, really didn't excite me, but I knew it, it was going to come no matter what in 2015, was automation. Uh, this whole sort of meme about marketing automation within very specific and limited use cases is a fantastic thing, but people try and apply it to areas where it shouldn't be applied. And so now you start seeing things being automated where they really shouldn't be. People don't measure the effectiveness of automated campaigns. People don't um, test if they work versus the status quo and things like that. So I think automation has been a meme that uh, has certainly reached a tipping point. A lot of people are doing and a lot of people don't really understand uh, that they shouldn't always be doing it, if that makes sense. Yeah, so could you give an instance of where you think automation would be very useful for email? Yeah, well, I think, you know, as far as uh, transactional-based stuff, it's really good. As far as, uh, you know, sort of like like um, welcome campaigns to bring somebody uh, into your brand and create that sort of uh, brand affinity off the hop, it can be quite useful. But, but what we don't need are these sort of like intricate 365-day-long, once-a-week automated campaigns where people get a different message each day because the whole problem with that is that the world changes. You know, if the world was completely static, if everything else stayed the same, then you could set something up and just magically it would always work all the time. But here's the thing. The world does change. An example would be here on Christmas Day, probably Motorhead didn't get streamed on Spotify that many times. But on Boxing Day, I bet I, I bet that they did. And by the way, Lemmy was a dude and, 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 and I absolutely loved the guy. But you see, you know, it's like if you had an automated campaign about Motorhead, for example, then it would be doing crap until the dude died, and then suddenly it would be doing good, right? So all of these external factors which affect things, people don't take into account when they set up automated campaigns. So when it does work is when you have a very predictable outcome, uh, which is not prone to external acts of random variance, for example, um, transactions. Great, got it. So thanks, Perry. Um, that was really good to hear your views on the trends which did materialize and did materialize. Now I'd like to ask you what trends you're particularly excited about in 2016 and why you're excited about it. Yeah, them. absolutely. So the one that I find really interesting in 2016 uh, is, is going to be the increasing use of things like artificial intelligence and, uh, and child products to it like machine learning, natural language processing and generation. Uh, these are technologies which are not necessarily new, um, but the application of them and the sort of widespread adoption of them is really interesting. Now, there's a couple of problems with it, though. So 
first of all, a lot of people don't really understand what these terms mean. Um, and there's, you know, a lot of stuff out there, you know, where, where you can read these, you know, a million blogs written by a million monkeys on a million typewriters who says, oh, machine learning this, machine learning that. And you sort of read them and you wind up knowing less about it than when you first started reading, right? So there's a whole lot of, of what I'd probably call disinformation out there. Think about machine learning and AI and things like that. You can't just point and click. You can't just go and like hire a data scientist and go like, please go and go and do some magic. It doesn't work like that. But what machine learning uh, in effect does is it looks for subtle patterns that exist within large data sets that are hidden to the human eye. Now, when you take this into account, you can start to find some really interesting things, but there's also massive risks with it. So, for example, I shop um, at a supermarket. I'm not going to name which one uh, in case they are listening to this call. And I've got a loyalty card for said supermarket. Now, I used to uh, live with a young lady till about two years ago. I, I no longer live with her. And luckily, as we split up, I kept the loyalty card, which uh, means that I won, right? Now, still to this day, I'll go and, uh, and use my loyalty card. And you know when you use it and you get the little coupon printouts? I get coupon printouts uh, for discounts off of female sanitary napkins. The reason being is I haven't bought them for two years, so clearly I've run out. Now, this is a great example of uh, using machine learning and statistical reasoning to make assumptions which should be true until they aren't true. So one of the real challenges here is to use machine learning in appropriate circumstances. And I think this is going to be a really interesting trend in 2016. And if I can give some free advice to people out there, is that if you want to go down this sort of um, advanced technology route to really delve into your email program, the language which you use, um, the offers which you give through the email channel, look outside of traditional email companies. The reason for that, and this is another big trend in 2016, is the innovation in the email world is fundamentally not happening through ESPs. The reason being uh, is that ESPs, there's about 450 of them on the planet right now, and it's effectively a commodified resource. One of the challenges with this is when a resource is commodified, uh, the, the pricing model becomes a race to the bottom. When a race to the bottom happens, it means that margins go down, and therefore, uh, there's less investment being made in, in R&D. Also, what they're doing is they're basically fighting to keep uh, a finite piece of the market pie and everybody else is trying to snap at that. So what ESPs do now is they focus on feature matching and they focus on not losing clients, so fixing bugs effectively. What you're starting to see now, and this trend really started in about 2013 and now it's happening lows, is you're starting to see uh, uh, ESP agnostic software launching into the marketplace. So obviously one example is Frazy, the company I run. Uh, which is exactly that. But there's more than just us. You got uh, uh, open time marketing. So you got companies in that space like Movable Inc., Wiley, and Kick Dynamic. You have um, you have rendering software like Litmus and Email Monks. You have uh, email advertising networks like Live Intent. Uh, you're starting to see more and more companies in these spaces who are realizing that due to the the limitations of the market equilibrium in which ESPs operate. Um, there's an opportunity for these small, nimble, uh, technology-first agnostic software 
to enter the, the marketplace and really make a difference to marketers' lives. That's fascinating. So you were talking a lot about the evolution from having a standard email service provider, and they've been around for a number of years now. And a lot of marketers out there might have invested in something like a HubSpot or an Eloqua or something like that. And they'd be using that happily. And actually, you know, I, I certainly know one of my challenges when I'm using those bits of software is learning how to use all of the various tools that are that are there. You know, I, I sometimes feel frustrated that I, I don't get the time to unpack it properly. But what would your advice be to a marketer who's facing that same sort of challenge? Because now it's almost like you're saying there's a there's an even better opportunity to bring in this additional tool that sort of plugs into your ESP and enhances it. But what should be their priority? Yeah, that that's a great question. And it comes down to looking at uh, email as though it's a sales funnel. So when you receive emails, you effectively uh, uh, see three things. You see the time at which it's sent, you see who it's from, and what the subject line is. So you want to start in one of those three places. The from name, you can't really fix that unless you completely rebrand re yourself. So we can throw that one out. The time of day stuff is becoming less and less important. That's quite obvious because we're constantly on. I mean, you know, I'm sure everybody on this call, they wouldn't, they wouldn't admit to it, but I bet that they all sit on the, on the toilet checking email and do that at least three to five times a day. Let's not kid ourselves. We all do it, right? So the time of day stuff is no longer a real causal factor into response rates. The subject line is obviously. So focusing at the top of the funnel is important. Once you've conquered the subject line battle, inside the, the, the email itself is the actual content. Now, what was traditionally done with the content is at point of launch, there would be um, a batch process run to uh, predict what products individuals would, would want to see. But this has no context. This is just based upon past data, not real-time data. So by using companies like Movable Inc. and Kick Dynamic, once you get the, the subject line down to make people open stuff, then you can start contextually serving them uh, uh, information which is relevant not just to their past history, but also to where they are, what the weather is like, stock levels and things like that. Once you're done that, then continuously move down the funnel to look at retention campaigns and to look at you know abandoned basket campaigns and stuff like that. The way I view it, you start with the thing that's going to have the obvious biggest effect. And of course, I'm biased, but I'm going to say subject lines. Just because I'm biased doesn't mean I'm wrong. And then you move down the funnel a bit further to the thing that's going to have the second biggest effect and so on. So could you very simply sort of break it down for us and, and explain if we were considering bringing on board a third party bit of software to enhance our subject line or any of the other sort of dynamic content you mentioned, how would we go about fitting that into our existing ESP or marketing stack? Is it a simple API? Is it quite technical? What's the deal? Yeah, I can't speak on behalf of companies who, who aren't mine, but I mean, you know, I think that, that we're probably quite standard um, in that respect. Insofar as there's a web interface um, in which you, you can log in and use it, really straightforward to use, and then your options are basically to integrate fully using API and web services, to integrate partially using, uh, you know, like batch fetches from SFTP sites or something, or to just use it as, as a plug and play tool. Generally, um, what I found, and I found this when I was working ESP side trying to integrate with third-party apps, and also now that I'm a third-party app, the roadblock and the the limitation of integration is rarely on the on the phrases or the kick dynamics or the movable inks. The limitation is usually on the ESP side. So generally, most of these things are built with that in mind, where you can use them regardless of the level of integration you want. Just continuing on that theme a little bit, can you give us some examples of brands or companies? They didn't necessarily have to be um, ones you've worked with, but case studies 
where they've been able to use some of this technology within their email campaigns and really see a measurable result. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not going to like drop specific names and stuff right now in case we have any competition listing and blah, blah, blah. But like, I mean, the way the way it works is that, you know, if you're looking at something like, say, a subject line language, right, you're going to want to have some sort of uh, direct response metric that you can measure off the back of it. So if companies are focused on, you know, driving clicks and driving conversions and actually selling stuff online, then in, in our experience, they can experience conversion rates more than double than what they do if they don't use optimized language. I've seen some great examples from Kick Dynamic who do open time image rendering inside emails. And they, and they found uh, doing weather-based stuff for a clothing retailer, whether you do, um, you know, like, like umbrellas if it's raining or like bikinis if it's sunny or something, they've had huge uplifts off the back of it. The thing is what I don't want to do is give benchmark response rates because every brand is fundamentally different and, and benchmarks just sort of um, absolutely skew people's perceptions of what they should be expecting. No, I think the example you gave there of the clothing retailer, I think that's a really good example um, because clearly the, the weather um, whether consciously or subconsciously, is going to be affecting the um, individual consumer's predisposition, not just to open the email, but then to take action. Um, I also remember working with a soup company. Something really interesting that came out of their research was that um, when the temperature drops below a certain temperature, I think it was something like 12 degrees, they saw the sales of soup just tick up. And it's all those sort of atmospheric environmental factors that um, you don't really you don't really know they're going to affect your sales until they start to affect your sales. But with something which is in real time, those are things you could test and program in. It becomes really um, a learning curve. But if someone listening to this now wanted to learn more about this, um, not just uh, about the specific companies, but about what's happening in this space, where would you recommend they go? Where, where do you go to stay on top of the latest technology? Yeah, well, one thing which I wouldn't recommend is for them to sign up to learn Python and R and, and learn how to actually do machine learning. Um, uh, because these these are skills like, you know, if somebody calls himself a data scientist, don't believe them um, unless they've actually got um, the the academic credentials to back it up. Like that's why there are PhD programs in this stuff. And one of the smartest things I did when launching Frazy was hook up with Neil, who is this genius PhD guy. And I'm glad he's on my team and not someone else's. So um, if you want to learn about stuff, I'm kind of old school, uh, buy a book and read a book and I actually get the paper book. I'm not a big fan of Kindles personally, but I feel like, you know, it's much more of a tactile experience, but don't just buy the book, right? You know, and I'm talking about the actual technical stuff here. So the technical aspects of statistics, machine learning, and AI and stuff, right? After you read each chapter, write your own little blog post, even if you don't publish it, synthesizing those thoughts. And that way you actually learn it at, at, at a much deeper level. I mean, you'll probably notice, you know, if you Google me, you'll see that I sort of blog about lots of stuff all over the place. Half the time, I didn't know what, what I was blogging about until I blogged it. But after that, I know it at a much deeper level. Very good advice, yeah. It's one thing to listen or to read, but when you can actually regurgitate it and put it back out there, that's when it really becomes set in, in your head. Parry, it's been great to, to talk through all of the things we've been talking about today. Could you tell us uh, the best way that we can find out more about you and, and then we'll say goodbye? Awesome. Well, the, uh, the company is called Phrasey, so that's uh, phrase with an extra E, P-H-R-A-S-E-E, and it's just phrasey.co. There's lots of cool resources, cool blog posts. You should sign up to our newsletter because uh, uh, it's not a boring newsletter, and I promise you this, if there's ever a boring issue of, of the newsletter, you can you can come to my house and punch me in the face. Because um, the way the way which, which we do things, we didn't found Phrasey to become a normal company. We basically view Phrasey as being 
the email punks and what we believe in is anarchy in the email world. So we've been following status quo for far too long and it's time people did something different. We're the company who's doing something different. We've heard from just one of our experts today, but if you'd like to get the insight from all 40 of our practitioners and read what the major trends are that they think you need to know about, then download your copy of the ClickSee Intelligence Digital Trends Report now. Visit clickc.com forward slash digital trends 2016 UK report to download the full report for free now. ClickZ, the original digital business intelligence company founded in 1997, provides best practice advice, trends and insight from leading analysts and practitioners to a global community of more than 100,000 digital marketing and e-commerce professionals. We'll be talking to more of our experts over the next few weeks. Until then, keep up to date with ClickSee. Thank you for listening and bye for now.